Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show. Here we are on Friday, December 1st. Boy, oh boy. Is it really December already? Feels like just yesterday it was November, folks. Look, my name is Peter Ogburn sitting in for Bill Press today on a busy news day, on a busy news week, on a busy news year. We are here for you. We are here with you live on your favorite progressive talk radio station and of course at youtube.com slash the bill press show the bill press show is where you can find us on youtube uh don't forget to subscribe while you're there of course and on your favorite podcast listening device whatever you use to get your podcasts uh, don't forget to go subscribe for that what a day what a show we have in store the Republican tax bill is still not done. It might limp across the finish line today. We'll see if they can rally the base to get that done. Plus, we will be talking about a very interesting story about uh, some people who are distancing themselves from the Trump organization. Uh, the senior counsel at Free Speech for the People will be joining us later on this hour. And the latest on Trump Russia and whether or not Donald Trump is going to fire Rex Tillerson. We'll get all of that uh, details on that story with Ali Watkins from Politico in the next hour. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. An earthquake on the East Coast yesterday. Wait, really? Yeah. Magnitude 4.1 struck Thursday afternoon near Dover, Delaware. It was felt everywhere from New York to Baltimore. Uh, I got a couple texts from friends saying, did you feel it in D.C.? I said I had no idea it happened. I, yeah, I totally missed that. Feel it? You, no, I, I, I missed it. it. There were some reports of folks feeling it in Virginia. In fact, I was watching the local news last night, some folks in Arlington. Uh, I was on ground level. I should have been the one to feel it if, if you, you were going to feel it here in D.C., but... Uh, yeah, Delaware. I didn't of feel all it. places. I didn't feel it at all. I, is... I think it's fake news. It didn't happen <laughs> if I didn't feel it. <laughs> well, the experts <laughs> say that the quake's epicenter was about 50 miles from Philadelphia, 66 from Baltimore, 90 from Washington, and 125 miles from New York City. No immediate reports of damage or injuries anywhere near 
the epicenter. Were you here for that that earthquake we had a couple years ago? I was, and in fact, I was on the ground level at that time, and uh, I remember the the china closet shaking. You know, it was great. I was actually outside when that hit, and I was on a hill overlooking the neighborhood swimming pool. Oh, yeah. If you've never seen a swimming pool during an earthquake. Oh, man, that must be cool. That was a trip. Water starts splashing everywhere. It was wild. I love that. I love that. Uh, So uh, if you've been following any of the latest Twitter feuds, I know, Peter, you're uh, Mm -hmm. no longer on Twitter. Well, you still have an account. I haven't been uh, following you. You have yet to return. Uh, So yesterday we played a clip of um, Roy Moore being interrupted by a heckler in Alabama at a church. I'll play it again. Never once has anyone stated anything like it has occurred in the last three and a half weeks. That's that's odd. You know, that sounds like a native, but in (laughs) fact, it's actually Jimmy Kimmel's producer, uh, Tony Barberi. Excuse me, Jimmy Kimmel's writer. Wait, really? Kimmel dispatched uh, Tony to this church. To mess around with him, he's playing. He was playing a fictional character named Jake Bird, uh, and then he did sound like a local. Like he did. Back. Yeah, it, it was quite authentic. Uh, Roy Moore and Jimmy Kimmel decided to get into a Twitter feud. Roy Moore tweeting at Jimmy Kimmel yesterday: "If you want to mock our Christian values, come down here to Alabama and do it man to man." Oh Jesus! Kimmel last night on his opening monologue detailing the fact that he did respond. Saying that he accepted the uh, the invitation, he'll come down there. Roy Moore tried to clap back, didn't really go so well. Oh no! But uh, this this would be fun. This would take uh, this would a, a new type of Jimmy Kimmel test. Uh, but at this time, I think it would have to do with uh, dating teenage girls. I would love to watch that. I'd love to watch the two of them. Yeah. But Roy Moore carries a gun, as we know. So he does. Just, just a little tiny one in his purse, though. <laughs> just, or no, that's his wife's. His wife be, carries That's a gun. right. That's right. Just be careful. That's yeah. it. On TV and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn. Sitting in for Bill Press here on a Friday, December 1st. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Man, I'm just kind of tired of these nonstop news days. I know that that's the business that we're in, but like, boy, oh boy, yesterday. We're having a tax vote on a Friday. Yeah. That's what's happening. Just so that we're clear on that. That's what's happening. I mean, they couldn't get this tax stuff done yesterday. They said that they definitely, definitely want to get it done today. But, like, it's still a little uncertain. And I love that what the problem is is all the debt that it's going to rack up. I mean, you could not be a Republican a year ago. And say, hey, well, we're going to pass a tax bill that's going to add a trillion dollars to the debt. And what, what's great is yesterday the CBO came out and said, actually, it's not $1.2 trillion. It'll be just a flat $1 trillion. And Republicans acted like that was a big win. <laughs> okay, so it's not $1.2. It's $1 trillion. Well, see, folks, we told you it's going to be better than, than $1.2. So, I mean, congratulations. At least Bob Corker's trying to be a hero again. Look, man, I think the saddest thing in the world are all these people that got all excited about John McCain versus Donald Trump. He's going to be the guy to bring down the Trump agenda. John McCain is going to save us all. John McCain voted for this tax plan. 
with very little fanfare. Did you see Ashley Feinberg's tweets John yesterday? McCain is who we thought he was. No, I didn't see him when they said. So Ashley Feinberg, she is a writer for HuffPo. She used to be there a writer. There is no better person on Twitter. She's fantastic. If you, if you don't follow her already, it's at Ashley Feinberg on Twitter. So she quote tweeted John McCain's announcement that he's going to come out and support this Senate tax reform bill. Mm. And her quote tweet, quote tweet reads as such. Congratulations to John McCain's wife and children on their upcoming tax-free inheritance. Oh, man. It's a little rough. Oh, man. But it's, it's true. brutally honest. No, I, I don't think it's too rough it's, at it's, all. I mean, look, this is this is what people are fighting for right now. This is what people are showing. I saw there were people that showed up at the Capitol last night to protest. This is what people have gone to the White House to protest. This is crazy. So <laughs> she got so much attention yesterday that she got a headline on foxnews.com. Oh, hell yeah. Liberal HuffPost reporter slammed for ghoulish joke about John McCain. I don't think it's ghoulish at all. She ended up removing the tweet, but... Um, Shame on her. She her, shouldn't have removed her it. Her follow tweet read as such, To be clear, I shouldn't have been glib and callous in pointing out that John McCain's family stands to Bennett massively <laughs> from the estate tax provision in the tax bill he's voting on this week, and I am sorry for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a proper follow up to a deleted tweet. Yes, first of all, she shouldn't have deleted the tweet. No, it was the, it was the right thing to tweet. I mean, that that's who these people are. That's who John McCain is. You know, they're protecting their own interests right now. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Well, look, I don't know what what's going to happen with the uh, tax bill. They, they, p- certain cable news are trying to paint it out like it's this huge uncertain cloud hanging over it. I'm not so sure. I think it's still going to get done. But do not forget that this tax plan, this tax bill that is about to pass or that could pass today, could very well be the most unpopular piece of legislation that we've ever seen <laughs> like literally the numbers on this of how people feel about it are so in the gutter it, it, it's one of the worst pieces of legislation that's ever been pulled and you thought the health care bill was bad right right like that's all you need to know that was their it's worse signature, than the health care bill that was their signature piece of legislation was to repeal the affordable care act and obamacare and it was so unpopular that they had to go like oh crap we can't do this but this, this is something they've been dying to do. This is something they've been dying to do. I want to play a couple of, just a couple of quick clips because, again, nobody's better on this than uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, he was talking about this on the floor yesterday, and he's interrupted by Pat Toomey and Bernie cedes some of his time to him, and you'll hear where Bernie is talking about saving Social Security and saving Medicare, and Pat Toomey chimes in. When my Republican friends talk about saving Social Security and Medicare, what they are talking about is cutting it. Would the gentleman yield? I will yield. Thank you. Okay. um, I just want to make a very simple point. Um, The senator from Vermont is concerned that we're going to somehow cut Medicare or Medicaid. Neither, Neither word appears in the bill. Okay. Now, listen very carefully to this next part, because Pat Toomey steps on it while he's trying to to, to, uh, rebut Bernie here. You will not support 
any cuts to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Do I have that word I, from I, you? I, I am not going to support any cuts to people who are on the program and need oh, those benefits. There it is. But I want this <laughs> program to survive. I'm going to acknowledge that we, we need this time. program for the next right, generation, he too. The, he just let the cat out of the box, or whatever the phrase is. Um. <laughs> you know, that, that's the highlight of that clip. Yeah. But he's got to give Maxine Waters some, cre- some credit there. Yeah. He said reclaiming my time about yeah. three times. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. her phrase. Yeah, no, absolutely. You just let the cat out of the box. You just let the cat out of the box. Or whatever the phrase is. <laughs> or whatever the phrase is. But, like, look, that that is such a good catch by Bernie because Pat Toomey tries to, like, he tries to wind his way around the fact that they're going to get rid of Social Security. They're going to they're gonna completely gut this. And then he catches himself in this. Listen to us. Should we just play the second clip again one more time? Listen to how Pat Toomey changes what he says here. You will not support any cuts to social security. That's a yes, no question. Do I have that word from you? I I am not going to support any cuts to people who are on the program and need Uh, those benefits. There it is. There it is. There it is. He tries to be a little too cute and tries to weave a web there, and he gets completely caught up in it. Um, you know, uh, like good for Bernie for catching this. I, I wish that more people would point this out. Like the New York times had a great piece, uh, yesterday or Wednesday where they said this tax plan is a complete change to the way of life here in America. Like it's not just a tax cut for the wealthy. It is a total and complete, uh, adjustment, a change to the way that we operate as a country, which is remarkable. And what's funny, not funny, but what's amazing is people are unified in their hatred of this bill. I mean, I've seen so many people send me press releases that absolutely hate this from like, AARP, there are people who like our friends at No Kid Hungry who all they want to do is just get schools to serve better meals to kids so that they have more access to to hot meals. They say this is bad. Grad students are going to get screwed. Uh, I mean, like across the board, people are going to get completely screwed by this. Here's the problem. The Republicans simply have their blinders on right now because yeah. all they're looking for is a legislative win. Yeah, they they need a win. They 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 certainly they do. need a win. But you know, Lindsey Graham said it. Lindsey Graham, who's become quite the evil character again, yeah, said it best yesterday in in what would happen if this doesn't pass. Our base fractures. People won't put up our signs. People won't write checks. Uh, the party will collapse of its own weight. Steve Bannon will have a. A great argument to be to solve. Other than that, nothing. He could have just said Steve Bannon. Yeah. Because, you know, we've debated on this show in the past couple of weeks, what effect does Steve Bannon really have on the Republican Party? Yeah. Is he really going to significantly alter their future if they don't deliver on the promises that he wants them to deliver on? I'm starting to think that maybe yes. My favorite part of all that is Lindsey Graham openly admitting, again, which we saw, uh, 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 it was it Chris Collins, that guy from New York? First Trump supporter in the, the house. The very first Trump supporter in the house. They're just coming out and blatantly saying, 
well, our donors are not going to be happy with us if we don't get this done. Like Lindsey Graham just said, they're not going to write us any more checks. Dude, you're saying the quiet part loud again. <laughs> These guys are so bad at that. Like, we know that's the game. But, like... You have to pretend to at least be caring about the American people. There's an art to it. You can't just come out and say that this is blatantly what you're doing. You dummy. They're all dummies. Chuck Schumer yesterday. This is, look, look, look. I know that the Republicans are mad because they have this perception that Obamacare was forced through without their, their help or whatever, which... Never mind the fact that Obamacare is a Republican proposal. It was a Republican bill. Never mind that. That that concession was made early on. And that single payer was taken off the table early on in a concession to, to Republicans. Chuck Schumer sort of highlights how one-sided this process is. From the one-sidedness with which it was drafted to the reckless haste with which it was considered, the Republican tax bill has failed to go through anything, anything resembling the normal legislative process. So we're just completely changing the way that we do government here. Whoever's in power gets to ramrod whatever they want to ramrod through. Forget about rushing it through. Yeah. It'd be one thing if we had a lot of the key details about what's in the bill. Right. This morning, they plan to vote on the bill at 11 a.m. Yeah. As of right now. Vote is set. It's going to happen at 11 a.m. As of right now. We don't know what's in the bill. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Now, that is remarkable. And it's. Imp- I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, this is so important that we not let this just get swept up into, oh, the government sucks and the House is bad and the, and the Congress is, is uh, terrible. No, no, no. No, no, no. These are Republicans. This is. And by the way, this isn't just Trump Republicans. This is who Republicans are. This type of legislation existed way before Donald Trump was president, before he was even a candidate. This tax bill, almost identical to one that happened in uh, Nebraska. Nebraska, and you say? Nebraska. Huh? Nebraska. Oh, excuse me, Kansas. I'm sorry. Oh. Sorry, forgive me. Forgive okay. me. Forgive me. I'm sorry. It's not Nebraska. Well, now Kansas. I'm on board. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 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 That's my bad. No, look, I, I I know that it's a it's a uh, it's an unfortunate comparison to make for the squishy uh, liberal not understanding where the fly the flyover states are, but uh, that's my bad. But they did a very similar tax bill to this, and it was a disaster, a disaster. There was a great piece on uh, at the Center for American Progress where they they did essentially this. And it was such a mess. Such a mess. It nearly wrecked the state. It nearly wrecked the state. They have two clips back to back. Two quotes back to back, I should say, in this piece. Quote, our new pro-growth tax policy will be will be like a shot of adrenaline into the heart of the Kansas economy. It will pave the way to the creation of tens of thousands of new jobs. End quote. That was Governor Sam Brownback, July 29th of 2012. Shot of adrenaline, heart of the economy, tens of thousands of new jobs. That's what he said in 2012. Donald Trump 
October of 2017, this huge tax cut will be rocket fuel for our economy. (laughs) The biggest winners will be everyday families from all walks of life, and our great companies will produce jobs. They're going to produce jobs like you've never seen before. Well, now, they're certainly reading from the same script. Kansas's job growth lags behind the entire nation. That is today. They are well below the national average. Well below the national average. For U.S. uh, jobs, Kansas jobs, Kansas total jobs, non-farm jobs, it's a mess. It's a mess. The dynamic revenue that was promised never materialized. Now, hmm, who could have seen that coming? What happens is the idea that these this this all goes back to Reagan with the Reaganomics and the trickle down economics and every time that they've done crap like this, it's been a huge disaster. What they're trying to tell you and what they're trying to make you believe is that by giving these big corporations these huge tax cuts, that well, they're going to have more money to spend on jobs. They're going to have more money to hire people. They're going to have more money to. To bring more people on to make their product even bigger because, hey, they've been given all these great tax cuts. Isn't that how it works? Well, you don't even have to go all the way back to Reagan. Just look back at this most recent recession that we had or depression, whatever you want to call it. You had all these jobs that managed to survive because they cut people, they laid people off, they cut basic services, they got down to where they had just bare bones operation and... They still made money. Now, when the economy got better, what did they do? Did they rehire all those people? Did they bring more people on? Did they create more jobs? No! They didn't do any of that because they figured out how to do it for less money because that's how corporations work. They don't care about jobs or people. They care about making money. Get get, get out of here with this idea that by giving them a tax cut, they're going to hire more people. No! That's not how this works. We have a proven track record that this is a mess. By the way, when they did this in Kansas, it got to be so bad that they were cutting social programs at a shocking rate. Shocking rate. You're fired up about this. So are our people Mm. following us on Twitter at BP Show and in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. Start there. Susan in the chat room says, I hold, or excuse me, hold every damn voter who elected these horrendous folks accountable. That includes members of my own family. Oh, that's a real thing. Yeah, that's that's a real me thing. too, yeah. That's uh, Donna says Congress wants to turn us all into peasants begging in the street for bread, which oh, is wow. not far off. Oh, wow. Moving over to Twitter. We're hearing from you on Twitter. We're on Twitter at BP Show. KG1 says their donors aren't going to be able to outvote the American population, referring to the clip we played of Lindsey Graham admitting that uh, they may lose the donors if they don't get this bill passed. And Eddie Cool, I think he's trolling us this morning. My man, Eddie Cool. Tweeting quite a bit at us this morning, uh, saying, oh, so now you hate McCain again? I thought you loved him. Whoa. Yeah. You got the wrong man, homie. I don't know if you watch every show. Yeah, you got the wrong man. But the two of us? Yeah. No supporters of John McCain. I've been consistent on John McCain from the very beginning. I think he's a snake in the grass. Can't speak for Mr. Press. Look, I understand. Let, let, let me let me just clear this up for for Eddie Cool. 
I understand that there are a lot of people who think John McCain is a good man uh, and got into politics for the right reason. And I look, I respect that. I, I really do. No, no, no BS, right? But you take a look at what he's done and who he is over the years. He's no better than any of these guys. He's no better than Donald Trump. You look at the legislation he's supported. You look at the votes he's taken. You look at the things he said. He is a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. He is not the maverick that he would have you believe. Not anymore. There might have been a time, but it is, it is long gone. Yes, he did a noble, admirable thing over uh, the health, one of the many health care repeals that the Republicans tried to do, and congratulations to him. Blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. By the way, back to my, my point on the Kansas situation. Uh, this was such a disaster, such an unmitigated disaster, that this happened in 2012 when they made these this uh, tax plan uh, 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 law. June 6, 2017, the Kansas tax cuts were rolled back, even though Governor Sam Brownback threatened the veto. Because many Republicans finally came to their senses and said, oh, this is actually bad. This is actually bad. The exemption for pass-through income was ended. Most of the other tax cuts were repealed. I'm reading directly from this uh, Think Progress story. Alexandra Thornton is the uh, writer of this. Quote, at least one of those Republican legislatures, legislators, along with a number of conservative analysts in the state, are now specifically warning Congress not to repeat their same mistake. With the reversal of the governor's veto, the resounding message from Kansas legislators on both sides of the political aisle is clear. Don't buy into claims that huge regressive tax cuts will create incredible economic growth and job creation. End quote. Because they don't. We've seen this story before. We know how this goes. I'm so mad about this. I just it pisses me off so much because it's just so dumb. It's just so stupid. And it's also just so naked in the sense that like like I said, Lindsey Graham, Flimsy Graham, Flimsy Graham. That's what that's a that's a Donald Trump-esque nickname. I feel pretty good about that. I don't love it. Workshop it. You got your thing. See what you can come out of it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Lindsey Graham and Chris Collins both admit flat out that they're doing this for their donors. They're doing this to to, to please big corporations who are writing them big checks. And we're just looking at them nodding. Okay. All right. Go ahead, guys. How stupid are we? One other story uh, that I want to get into. You may remember over the last couple of years, there was a uh, law being thrown around in California known as Katie's Law. And this law centered around a 32-year-old woman named Katie Steinle who was shot in San Francisco in 2015. She was shot by a man named Jose Inez Garcia Zarate. He is a man who is here in America Illegally, he had been deported five times. 
He had been released from a San Francisco jail several months before this shooting. Federal immigration authorities uh, had asked that he be detained, but uh, he was still let out. And San Francisco has a uh, reputation of being a sanctuary city, as I'm sure you've heard from many Republicans talking about sanctuary cities. At the Republican National Convention, Donald Trump even went so far as to blame him and blame San Francisco and sanctuary cities for her death. There is no dispute that she was shot by this man, Zarate. Uh, there, there's no argument on, on either side that this is what happened, that, that uh, he shot uh, Kate Steinley. That fact is true. That fact is true. And no one is, no one is debating that. But yesterday, the case came to an end. Jose Inez Garcia Zarate was found not guilty in killing this woman. Now, the point here is that for years, literally years, two years, Republicans have been going out there painting this man as a violent criminal who hunted this woman down, shot her and killed her, and this is why we need a wall, this is why we've got to ban sanctuary cities, this is why uh, illegal, quote, illegal immigrants are bad because they could do this type of stuff. I mean, they named a law after this poor woman and tried to use it to scare people, scare citizens about undocumented people here in the United States. He was found not guilty. He was found not guilty. Now, just just to give you the backstory here a little bit, uh, the prosecution had characterized this man as a violent immigrant. What actually happened is the shooting was an accident. The Associated Press reported the actual story. Zarate picked up a gun while it was wrapped in clothing. He didn't know that he was actually holding a gun until the gun went off. The gun ricocheted off of the concrete walkway and then hit Kate Steinle. Now, that is not a violent criminal. That is not an aggressive criminal. That is not a man who has crossed the border to come here to kill American citizens, as many people, Republicans specifically, have tried to, to make. It's just not true. And the jury agrees. They said he is not guilty. I'm shocked, by the way. I'm reading from... I don't know what you're reading from, but I'm reading from an article from redstate.com. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't get a lot of news from redstate.com. I, I don't either. But you should. Yeah, But go ahead. The, the subject the subject line of this article is, have we been lied to about this case? It's an independent-minded whoa. conservative who whoa, wrote this. Whoa, okay? whoa, What's happening? Are we finding, have we found an enlightened writer for redstate.com? But she, she uses a, an excerpt from um, the San Francisco Chronicle. Okay. During the trial, jurors watched video from Garcia Zarate's four-hour police interrogation in which he offered varying statements about his actions on the pier. At one point, he said he had aimed at a sea animal. At another point, he said the gun had been under a rag that lay on the ground near the waterfront and that it fired when he stepped on it. Gonzalez said it was clear in the video that Garcia Zarate, who has spent much of his adult life behind bars, was living on the street before the shooting and has a second-grade education... Yep did not fully understand what the officers were asking him through an officer's Spanish translation. Yeah. 
That, that I mean, there's a there's a much deeper. I mean, there are a lot of levels to this story, right? Like what what has happened to it, what it was turned into. But at the same time, you really got to take a look at like how we treat criminals and how we handle people who have been through the system so much and have been living on the street, and now we have to treat them like they know as much as we do. It's a sad story all around, and I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not taking a victory lap by any means here. But the point is, the fact that this was taken to such extremes. As I mentioned, Donald Trump. This was a big theme of his during the Republican National Convention a year and a half ago. Not quite a year and a half ago. Here we are, a year and a half later. He is not guilty. As soon as I read that headline yesterday afternoon, I said to myself. Well, Donald Trump is going to tweet something racist. Shock of all shocks, he did. Uh, where was this? This was this morning. There was a couple tweets last night, a couple tweets this morning. Okay, I'm reading from a CNN article that has them sort of compiled here. Here we go. Uh, first of all, a disgraceful verdict in the Kate Steinle case. No wonder the people of our country are so angry with illegal immigration. Now, again... He's just playing judge, jury, executioner here. He doesn't know the facts of the case. He just knows that this man is here undocumented and that a woman was shot. Look, she was shot by the man. Was he a violent criminal? No. He knows the narrative that Fox News spun to run this over and over again on their network. In during the trial, right after it happened, and I'm sh- I, I'm not even looking at the TVs, but is that are they doing it right now? Uh, they, they were doing it earlier this morning. Okay. Yes, of course, of course. He also went on to tweet: "The Kate Steinle killer came back and back over the weekly protected Obama border, always committing crimes and being violent." I mean, listen to that. Listen to the way they put that. And yet, this info was not used in court. His exoneration is a complete travesty of justice. All capital letters. Build the wall i I take no glee in reporting this story i take no glee in telling you that that this man it it was found not guilty i think the whole story sucks yeah i do but am i gonna go out there and say well this proves that undocumented aren't aren't uh capable of crimes no that's not what i'm saying but my point here is let's look at things for what they are let's look at the facts Let's not try and paint people with such a broad brush. Again, he brings up the fact that this guy was, quote, being violent. Well, a jury says no. This is not that much different than the anti-Muslim retweets from the other morning. No, it's not. Which, by the way, were fake videos. Fake videos. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. One other quick thing I want to uh, cram in here. Uh, We were just talking about Donald Trump and how he gets all of his talking points from Fox news, it seems um, because he is a man with very large holes in his brain and is mentally ill and mentally deranged. Joe Scarborough yesterday tweeting that uh, he had heard from many Trump advisors that Donald Trump was not well and that they fear that he is not well. There's campaign been- advisors. Campaign advisors. And you know what campaign I tweeted? Advisors. I said, Joe, why didn't you freaking say that during the campaign? Yeah, should have said it during the campaign. No, 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 no. They had their ratings to worry about when they had Donald Trump on their show all the time. They couldn't be bothered. There had been more and more talk about how Donald Trump is not doing well. I want to choose my words carefully here. Dementia is a word I want to use. 
And then the fact that he has all of his kids around him all the time is basically just so that they can help cover up his his blunders. It's too bad the kids aren't so smart. Yeah, it's too bad. Too bad that all of his kids are the dumbest kids ever. Lindsey Graham yesterday was just, Lord have mercy, I'm so upset that everyone's out here calling him a kook. You know what concerns me about the American press is this endless, endless attempt to label the guy as some kind of kook, uh, not fit to be president. Yeah, why in the world would we ever call the president of the United States a kook? All we got to do is go back to February of 2016, where Lindsey Graham himself was asked about this. I think he's a kook. Oh! I think he's crazy. What? I think he's unfit for office. Oh! How, she- do, you, how do you do that verbatim? Shame on us. <laughs> did he Did he watch the tape That was remarkable. Before going on CNN? I can't believe they're calling this kook a kook. I think he's a kook. I think he's crazy. Y'all I think not, he's unfit for office. Y'all ought not run around calling him a kook. Only I can do that. Oh, God. By the way, one God. of our listeners, God. Uh, I assume, Yeah. I just got followed by a new Twitter account. Oh. Did, so, you, did you do this? I, 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 I'm, Is this I, your way of coming back to Twitter? As you know, I am not on Twitter. Did you do it, Ray? No? Look at Pointing fingers. Man's got fingers all of a sudden. A new Twitter account, at Flimsy Graham. Oh, what? Yeah. Are you serious? Someone just followed me. That wasn't me. That no, wasn't me. No tweets yet. Uh, I'd like to take credit for it, but uh, uh, good for that. St- I'm still not on board, though. Oh, that's all right. I mean, you know, you're you're allowed to miss every now and then. <laughs> hey, really quickly, we're going to take a break, but really quickly, uh, go check out our podcast. Go and download our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. We put it up there every single day. And big announcement, November, which we just left, was our biggest month yet for listens to our podcast. We had yet another uh, record breaker. Uh, So go and subscribe. Seriously, we put it all up there every day. We take the commercials out. uh, We put only the good stuff in. And I got to tell you, it's a great distillation every day of, like, what's going on in the news. And I know that the news moves very fast, and I know that we – Sometimes have a million different stories that we have to cover every day. But, like, we go through a lot of stuff on the show, and if you want to get it all just just delivered straight to your smartphone or your computer or however you get your podcasts, go check it out. Just look for The Bill Press Show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to have you be a part of it. Uh, All right, folks, we're going to take a very, very quick break. We're going to be talking to the senior counsel at Free Speech for the People. Very, very interesting story there. We'll tell you all about it coming up next. You know, what concerns me about the American press is this endless, endless attempt to label the guy as some kind of kook. I think he's a kook. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show. Don't forget, if you do watch us on YouTube, uh, we know that there are links that we tweet out and that we put out there, and it's great that you click on those and watch it. We thank you for that. But don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe, because not only do we put the live show out while we're live, 
But once we're off the air, we put out clips all throughout the day. And the only way that you'll be able to see those is if you subscribe. So there's a little button there that says subscribe. It's super easy. Just, just click the subscribe button. If you're watching now and you aren't subscribed, just subscribe. That's all. We'd love to see that happen. That would be great. Can I throw in one more comment from the YouTube channel? I would love that, Jamie. Yeah, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. Chat room is hopping this morning. I love that. Uh, I like this one in particular. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. This is from Twitter. Uh, Amy Amy Kelly Music tweeting to us on Twitter at BP Show. When everyone was riding his jock oh, dear. about the ACA vote and what a maverick he is, oh, yeah. I told my wife, are you bleeping me? <laughs> this guy will screw us later on down the line. People need to wake the F up. Yeah. Yeah. Good comment, Amy. Get out of my head, Amy. That's what I've been saying for years. Do you remember when John McCain ran for president? Like, Sarah I, Palin. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, John McCain. That is the yeah. voice, by the way, of the senior counsel at Free Speech for the People. Her name is Shanna Cleveland. She is here in studio. Good to see you. Thank you for coming in. It's great to be here. Good to be down in D.C., even though these are dark times. I, I always feel like when people are visiting D.C., I always feel like I need to apologize but, like, D- D.C. is still pretty great. Like, the- D.C. has a lot of good stuff going on. But, like, you there's know, just, like, a black cloud hanging over the city these days. Yeah. I do – there is something about coming to the nation's capital that, even in times like this, inspires a bit of hope um, and idealism. I drove by, of all places, the Department of Justice this morning. I'm oh. right here. Oh, nice. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, the facade of that building says, no free nation – can survive um, unless the supremacy of law is recognized. Oh, that's wonderful. And uh, it's, you know. Remember those with, days? Yeah, those days. You know, it's it's amazing to me how much we hear the administration talk about the rule of law. Um, well, talk about law and order. Yeah. Not recognizing that you have to have a strong rule of law um, in order to to preserve any kind of law and order. Well, I want to talk to you about that because I have this story here about the uh, Trump organization and the Trump Soho specifically. Tell me what's going on there. Give me a little rundown. There's so much going on at the Trump Soho. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you about There's so much going on with the Trump administration in general. Like it's so <laughs> hard to true. keep up with, but let's just let's just That's true. Like, this I think this is a good example of yeah. like how the whole thing is screwed up. Exactly. So so the good news is that the Trump Soho is about to have the Trump taken out of okay. Trump Soho. All right. Um, but, but here's the story. And this, this really is emblematic of how Trump has treated the presidency as really a brand opportunity um, and, and more of a reality show than the highest office in the United States. So... The Trump Organization um, announced the building of this grand Trump Soho luxury apartment condo hotel um, in 2007 at the end of The Apprentice. Okay. So this was this was you know using The Apprentice um, as as one of the peak Trump. Yeah. Um, and this was actually Ivanka and Don Jr. Uh, mm. were supposed to be kind of their first foray going out onto their own and and really taking on. Um, the Trump brand and and taking on the work here, so that was in 2007. If, if I could just point out, Donald Jr., the dumbest Trump child. This is just me speaking, but like, <laughs> but like, I think we've we've established that at this point. This is now canon, right? So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead. There's okay. a lot. There's a lot that happens between 2007 
2015, and we'll, we'll get back to that. Okay. But the, the thing that drew our attention to this as an organization that works to protect democracy and democratic ideals in the Constitution was the fact that in April, Reuters found out that 11 state and local pension funds had invested in a private equity fund called CIM Fund 3. So it's one of these private equity real estate funds. And they had invested in the fund back in 2007. But in 2015, Trump Soho went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And Well, that's weird that a Trump entity went hard bankrupt. Hard to believe. Wow. Hard I'm to believe. <laughs> but Trump Soho <laughs> went bankrupt, and this private equity fund acquired it in foreclosure. Okay. So the they acquire the hotel, but even though the Trump organization has gone bankrupt in this development, they keep on Trump International Hotels Management to market and manage this hotel. So how does that there's work? a yeah, so how does a, that work? there's a great question as to why in the world um, when over 263 of the units remained unsold and oh that was God. part of what led to the bankruptcy. Um, CIM group decided to to leave the contract in place um, with Trump International to to market and manage mm-hmm. that hotel. But the problem arises not in, in 2015 necessarily, but once President Trump is elected. Mm-hmm. Because in the Constitution, there are two clauses that essentially say the president is not supposed to accept or receive any profits, um, they use the word emoluments. Emoluments. There's, there's I was a lot of, yes. You, you a, just said the phrase that pays. <laughs> yes, the phrase that pays, emoluments. Um, so I, I like to say profits, benefits, compensation. He's not supposed to receive any compensation other than his salary while he's in office. Yeah. And the reason that the framers put that clause into the Constitution is because they were obsessed with corruption Yeah. and concerns about corruption at the time that the revolution happened, and then later in the constitutional um, conventions. So so he's not supposed to accept anything from foreign governments, and there's a separate clause that says the United States, nor any of the other states, are allowed to give any type of compensation or emolument or profit to uh, the president. Okay, so here, here's, here, there's more to this, of course, but this is something I've said from the very beginning. Like, we are about to find out just how smart the Founding Fathers actually were. Because, like, I think that there are some things that presidents just haven't done in the past because they're good people, for the most part. They came into this with the idea of being a public servant. Right, right. And so, like, (laughs) what kind of laws actually stop, you know, a huckster like Donald Trump from profiting off of the presidency? And, like, we're seeing that play out like there are a couple of things but at the some at the same time a lot of this stuff is just purely tradition you know like everybody brings up the the uh the fact that jimmy carter had to sell his peanut farm right everybody brings that up right but like jimmy carter maybe could have just kept his peanut farm and said screw you guys i'm gonna (laughs) gonna have my peanut farm well one of the reasons that he didn't yeah was because up until now presidents have been very careful about making sure that they didn't have business entanglements. What's that like? Going into the White House. And so, you know, he did, <laughs> out of an abundance of caution, sell his stake in the peanut farm. What a charming sentiment you just put out there. Gosh. 
I, I, I know. And fortunately, as I said, this is enshrined in the Constitution. This isn't, in this case, this isn't just a tradition or, or a norm. This is an important piece of the law of the land, yeah. the Constitution. And so, you know, there are actually legal cases pending um, that are suing President Trump in the federal courts for violating these clauses, both the Foreign Emoluments Clause and the Domestic Emoluments Clause. Now, the reason that this particular case, the Trump Soho, is one that, that came to our attention is because there were 11 state and local pension funds who were invested in this private equity fund. Oh, my. That acquired Trump Soho. Now, you know, there, there are a lot of reasons, um, looking back on this now, that they really should have had qualms about allowing that foreclosure to go through and, yeah. and adding this to the portfolio. Sure. But the thing that, that grabbed our attention was once Trump was elected, then it became a vehicle for state funds to be transferred directly to the president's organization. And we know from his financial disclosures that he actually received income, over $2.8 million in income, from the Trump organ the Trump International Hotels yeah. management that was marketing and managing the Trump Soho. So it was a, a short skip and a hop from state pension funds paying massive private equity fees to CIM Group and then CIM Group paying millions in fees to the Trump International Hotel Management LLC. Oh my god. Um so so that is a clear violation of that seems pretty pretty clear cut. It seems, seems pretty, pretty clear, clear cut. cut. And so so we wrote to uh, to CalPERS and to New York State Common Retirement Fund. Those are two of the largest state pension funds in the U.S. Oh, okay. Um, they also have a, a long history of engaging on corporate governance and transparency um, and ethics. Um, so we we actually thought you know when we call this to their attention, um, they will take action on this. Um, because, you know, one of the things that, that a democracy depends upon is public officials yeah. actually complying with the law. Yeah. And so we wrote to them. Uh, the response is... What, we, again, what a novel concept. Right, right. Public <laughs> officials complying with the law. Right. The president of the United States actually obeying, you know, the law. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. Uh, all these lawyers. You speak. and your kooky legal speak. You law. know, I uh, just I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. So, unfortunately, um, this was not a case where the public officials immediately stood up and took action. Okay. Uh, instead, the responses that we got uh, included basic subterfuge. They said, "Well, it's a limited partnership that we're involved in here." Uh, CIM Group is the one who makes decisions about this. We invested before the Trump Soho Hotel was part of the portfolio. Um, and so what we said back to them was, we understand that. We understand that, you know, this is an investment vehicle that, that you invested in back in 2007. Um, but while your fiduciary responsibility requires you to earn certain levels of returns, it also requires you to earn those returns without violating the law. So you okay. can't tell us that you're getting a good return off of somebody's, uh, you know, bookmaking operation, and that's a good reason to stay invested in that operation. If something is be, if an asset or you know a, a fund is being operated in violation of the law, mm -hmm. 
it doesn't matter what the return is. You have to look at whether or not you're complying with the law. And in the case of state pension funds, not only do the laws say that their investments you know, can't be contrary to law, but they also are held to, to very high ethical standards to avoid the appearance right. of impropriety. Um, so, you know, again, this is this is somewhat parallel to what we see in the co-equal branch of government um, down on this end yeah. of Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue, right. where where we have one branch of government, government, the president, the executive branch, who is not only ignoring the laws, but flouting um, his violation of the laws and the public officials who have the authority and the responsibility to hold him accountable are not the ones who are taking action, yeah. but it's the citizenry, yep. the, the ordinary people who are coming out and calling for them to hold the United States to the Constitution and to American ideals. And so that's that's the story here. After four months of intense pressure from thousands of Californians, um, from people going to speak to the board of directors at CalPERS, uh, from people, you know, writing in uh, to the New York State Comptroller's office, we finally found out last week that CIM Group is going to terminate the Trump Organization's contract to market right. and manage Trump Soho and All take right. Trump out of the name. That's 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 a win. That's a win. That's a win. I mean, that's it, a win. To your point that you were just mentioning, I've said this from the very beginning. We cannot count on the Republicans to save us here. And it's, I mean, unfortunately, like, we can't count on the Republicans or the Democrats right no, no, now. No, no, no. I was, was, was going to say, like, <laughs> tribalism is rampant on both parts, right. right? And so, like, we can't look at this and go, like, okay, uh, you know, the Republicans are going to see the light of day and say, like, oh, gosh, we have a, a, a full on swindler in the White House. Mm-hmm. And Democrats don't necessarily have the power to do anything about it, nor, like, are they going to stake their careers on taking him down? So the fact that this is how it's happening, I kind of love. Yeah. Because, again, like you point out, like these are citizens of the United States who are just saying, like, this is too far. Right. This is too far. Exactly. And so that's, you know, that is that campaign asking CalPERS and New York State and, and the other local and state pension funds to evaluate divestment mm. from Trump Soho um, was one of the factors supported by active citizens that led to this arrangement where they they broke the contract early to get out from the arrangement with the Trump organization. But it was only one of the factors, because remember how I said a lot of stuff happened between 2007 and 2015? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, once we we started working on this case, (laughs) we found out that the Trump Soho was actually one of the shadiest real estate deals that the Trump organization has ever done, which is shock. That is, I mean, that's that's saying something, right? That's remarkable. Um, So, you know, you may have heard about the Trump Soho organization um, most recently because of an investigative report that was done by ProPublica and The New Yorker and that involved a fraud case Mm -hmm. that was being a criminal fraud case that was being considered against Don Jr. and Ivanka Trump. And that criminal fraud case that resulted in Mark Kasowitz giving campaign donations to the Manhattan District Attorney. Yes. Um, shortly before and after the fraud case was um, abandoned uh, was because there were allegations that Don Jr. and Ivanka had lied to potential buyers of the condominium units about how many condos had been sold and about what the value of those condos were. 
So there was the apple doesn't fall far from the a, tree in that situation. That that is true. The other piece that you may have read about uh, that that has the Trump Soho in it is that one of the co-developers, and they're all pictures of him uh, standing next to Donald Trump very happily at the opening of the Trump Soho. But one of the co-developers was Felix Sater. Do, do you recognize Felix Sater's Tell name? Tell me more. No, I don't. So Felix Sater is now probably best known uh, for an email in which he said, uh, if we play this right, our boy can become president. Oh, God. I will talk with Putin's people. So so Felix Sater oh, sent an email to uh, Mark Cohn, to, to yeah. one of Trump's attorneys, yeah. uh, basically saying that he was going to meet with Putin's people uh, and get them on board for getting Trump elected. So he, he is at the center of Mueller's investigations into Russian coordination. This is, like, there are so many levels to this story. I, I, I just am kind of blown away by it. But we it feels like we got the gist of it, but we only scratched the surface. You can find out more. Freespeechforpeople.org uh, is where you can go. Shanna Cleveland, she is a senior counsel for Free Speech for People. Thank you so much for joining us. What an unbelievable story. Thank you. Great to be here. This and, uh, is the Bill Press time. Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today here on December 1st. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. First day of the month. Friday, all day long. Will we get the tax bill moved through the Senate today? I don't know. Republicans don't know. They're having a vote at 11 o'clock. We will see if they actually make it happen. We'll keep you updated uh, as we hear things all throughout the day. Of course, we are streaming live video, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, also on Free Speech TV. And don't forget to get our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. Just look for The Bill Press Show on iTunes or anywhere that you get your podcasts. We, uh, As we enter a new month, I, I was just looking at our numbers for November. Yet another record breaker, Jamie. Another biggest month ever last month. Big time. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed and listening there. We're putting out lots of good stuff. Our guest at the beginning of the hour is National Security Correspondent for Politico, Allie Watkins. Hello, Allie. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Did you hear how disappointed she is that you're the one hosting today? Well, here's the deal. I I I did not tell Allie ahead of time that I was going to be hosting. I'm I just said, here under false pretenses. I just said the Bill Press show would like to have you as a guest. And so she came in and she was like, oh. <laughs> It's just because I haven't had coffee yet. I am actually excited to see Peter. Mm. I have coffee here. It's decaf, though. Oh, wow. I don't do caffeine. I'm impressed. I don't think you can do caffeine now. 
it's not good for me, number one, but it's also <laughs> because my heart exploded. After almost dying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also, I didn't do caffeine before either. I'm not a caffeine guy. I live on caffeine. Well, you know, we all have our vices. <laughs> I have there, a, there, I have there are a much couple. worse vices than we all caffeine. Have our, we yeah. all have our crutches. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're going to jump into all things Russia, all things Rex Tillerson, and uh, lots and lots of good stuff with Allie in just a moment. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Jamie Benz. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. The National Football League. I had to clear my throat. Yeah, no, no, that's all right. The National Football League yesterday striking a deal with the Players Coalition. The group that was formed following the uproar of the national anthem protests. It's in the name there. They are NFL players, part of this coalition. The NFL has announced that they will be pledging $89 million to various social justice causes. Now, a little bit of controversy because, well, there has to be. Of course there is. Eric Reed of the San Francisco 49ers. You may remember him as being one of the first players to protest, along with his former teammate Colin Kaepernick. Eric Reed left the Players Coalition earlier this week. Why did Eric Reed leave the Players Coalition? Tell me more, Jamie. Reed is worried that the NFL is trying to co-opt the players' social justice movement, and he alleges that someone at the NFL asked him, if we donate this money, will you stop protesting? That's what I was waiting for. That's what I was waiting for. Look, if they did this out of the goodness of their heart and they they saw that this was the right thing to do, kudos. And I'll be the first one to say the NFL, which is a bad organization, is doing something right. Sure enough, one of the leaders of the Players Coalition, Philadelphia Eagles safety, Malcolm Jenkins, Trash. has announced that I he will... He will he's a big Eagles I, I know, this is why I read the story. That he will not be protesting this Sunday. Oh, no. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Allie, what do you think of that? Mm. <laughs> Allie's a big Eagles fan. I Listen, just get me the conference. That's all I need, okay? I'm not going to go down any rabbit holes. Do you holes have a Super Bowl prediction, by the way? The, the I lighter? have been a Philadelphia fan long enough to know that it's never too late to choke, so yeah. I am not going to make any I'm prediction. a Patriots fan. It's almost seeming like destiny at this point. Wow, two of the worst uh, sports fan like, <laughs> go. groups in the world. <laughs> yeah. Eagles fans and Patriots fans. Oh, boy. One final story here. Uh... Folks are pissed at Walmart. Walmart yesterday putting up a T-shirt that says "Rope Tree Journalist." Some assembly required. What? Yeah, it was. I did not believe this story when I saw it in my. Sold news technically by a third-party novelty seller, Teespring.com. The Radio Television Digital News Association said on Thursday that Voice of the First Amendment Task Force sent a letter to Walmart executives asking to take it down. They put that up. It was eighteen ninety-nine to get that T-shirt. Oh. my. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show here on December 1st. My name is Peter Ogburn, sitting in for Bill Press today. Friday. I can't believe it's December already. Is that is that wild? Am I just being an old man and it being like... It feels like 2017 took 85 years. It's, it's, that's very true. Very it's very true. Merry Christmas. There we go. Do you do, uh, Jamie, you just moved. Do you do the tree and all that stuff? I think we're going to do a small tree. Oh, all right. Yeah. 
What about you? You do the whole Chris. You do the whole thing. I do. I gotta be honest. I'm Jamie. I don't know if you felt this way too. I like had to really motivate myself to do it this year. I'm yeah. Like, I just. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably do it this weekend. You have 24 days. It's fine. Probably. My parents always waited till like December 12th. Yeah. I mean that's fine but, too. But like I, I was before Thanksgiving. I've I've walked by some houses and I've seen. I saw trees like on November 20th. Up. There were a lot of pre-Thanksgiving. Yeah. People. Here's a uh, <clears throat> controversial opinion. <clears throat> I'm a fake tree guy. Oh, no. I'm in your camp. Oh, no. Top. I'm a fake tree guy. Have been forever. You know, it's just like I get it. It's it, it, all the hassle I, goes out the window, right? I'll say this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, finish. But, finish but the one thing that I would miss, I guess I've never done it, so I can't really say, but the one thing I would miss is the smell. Candles, bro. I'm, oh, I, yeah, hit up that Yankee candle. That's cheating. Hit up that Yankee candle. No, sir. No, yeah, that doesn't for me. Now I'm definitely I do. Out. I have a whole sis in place. Here's the deal. When I was a kid, we were we were fake tree guys. We were fake tree family. Yeah. And I was like, this is crap. I want a real tree. We want a real tree. And then we got a real tree. You know what a pain in the ass a real tree is? Huge pain in the ass. It's a huge pain in the I ass. I just realized you have to, like, water them. You got to water yeah. it. Like, what you got to sweep around you every day. Sweep constantly. And God forbid you have a cat. Like, the cat is pulling stuff That's off the of the tree part, at all times. That's great. It's just annoying. And, you know, I saw a terrifying article uh, earlier this week about bugs being on trees. Ooh, oh, spiders. I didn't even what think are they about called? that. Lots of spiders. Oh, spiders. I don't know if they're spi- spiders. Yes. Apparently they're spiders. I don't need Christmas that. Trees. I think Peter and I are on the right side of yeah, this. Yeah, look. Debate, do you, I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy. I was. It was up and done in 20 minutes. Yeah, done. Yep. God, in the past like sixty seconds, I've been back and forth. I can't decide. I mean, look, I I'm not anti people having a real tree. I actually if, admire it. Yeah, if if you want to do you're that, that, dedicated. By all means, props. Me? That's not for me. I'm good. Ray uses a fake tree because she she doesn't want trees to be cut down. <laughs> oh wow! I should that's, start. We should use that talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, a much yeah, better. Yeah, fun yeah. fact: I worked on a Christmas tree farm one summer in, in college. How were the spiders? Did you get an infestation? Of they were just wasps. <laughs> Ooh. So I would have to Ooh. mow around the Christmas trees, which was a very narrow space with this huge industrial mower. Whoa. And if I hit a tree and there was a wasp nest oh. in it, those wasps would come flying out. Oh, my God. So I'd have to stop the mowers as fast as possible and just run for it. <laughs> I got stung a couple times. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it was, it was black flies up there. It was awful. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I think that, that a, a fake tree... I'm a fake tree guy for life. This conversation has made me like more yeah. convicted. I'm, I'm very yeah. steeled in my resolve of having a fake tree. Uh, let us know, folks, how you feel about this on Twitter, of course, at BP Show, at BP Show. Allie Watkins is on Twitter, at Allie Watkins. Um, I, I don't do Twitter. I got off of Twitter. I got off of Twitter. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got off of Twitter like a month ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. I admire you. I think should, I should mention today. Uh, I had predicted a couple weeks ago that by December first, Peter would be back on Twitter. Not on yet, baby. Well, <laughs> the day's not over yet. Day's not over yet. Uh, how has your quality of life improved? So good. I can't even imagine. It's so good. Like there was one day. It was yesterday that we had a listener or viewer roast Jamie over something, and it was the first day that I missed Twitter. Oh. Like I was like, oh, I wish I could be there for that. I mean, this week was like the most arguably trash day on Twitter since I wouldn't know. twenty. Exactly, I wouldn't know, I, sister. I'm not even. I'm not even anywhere whew. close to it. It's not on my phone. I, I I do have Jamie and another friend of mine have taken it upon themselves to send me all the really really good tweets that I missed. Mm. But like. 
That happens a couple of times a day. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of websites that compile, like, I, yeah. the tweets you shouldn't miss. I don't feel like I've missed much. Do you have go-to websites now? Because my go-to website is Twitter.com. Uh, and then I'll go to other websites off of there. Obviously Politico. Uh, yes. You know, to read Allie's work. No, I, I actually do read a lot of Politico. Um, but I, I just, like... You know, by the time that it's tweeted now, people have gotten so good at putting that in their news stories that, like, if, if it's a big tweet so or an important tweet, you're actually reading news stories. Yeah, not just off. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. an anomaly. My I know dude, between fake trees and this. I'm also 80 years old. We should point that out. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand the technology. Um, speaking of the great, great work at uh, Politico, we brought in Ali. She's the national con- uh, security correspondent, Ali Watkins. To talk about all things Trump Russia, all things Putin and the, the investigation there, but also I, I'm fascinated by this latest story about Rex Tillerson, who who has had a rough year, I think we could say. Uh, I think my favorite part of the Rex Tillerson drama, which we're all calling Rexit, apparently, which oh, I kind of love. I like it works that. I'm so pro well. that. Um, but yesterday when someone asked, because I, I guess Trump was asked in his press conference, like, is Tillerson here? And they're like, yes, you know, whatever. Someone asked, you know, is Tillerson on the trip? Or, or what's the president's feelings on Rex Tillerson? And I think it was either Sarah Huckabee or someone said, he's here. Like, what a vote of confidence. Ringing endorsement. Here, here she is talking about Rex Tillerson yesterday. When the president loses confidence in someone, they will no longer uh, serve in the capacity that they're in. The president was here today with the secretary of state. Uh, they engaged in a foreign leader visit and are continuing to work together. Yeah. They're but, having lunch today. Donald Trump and Rex Tillerson. Ooh. It's on the schedule. That's probably not a good sign. And it's Friday, and yeah. you know Trump loves firing people on Fridays. Yeah. 4 p.m. By the That's way, my prediction. Here's the here here's the story uh, from AP News. Tillerson's likely ouster, which was first reported by the New York Times, loomed awkwardly over an, over an Oval Office meeting Thursday between Trump and the visiting Bahraini Crown Prince. Asked by a reporter whether he wanted Tillerson to stay on the job, Trump was coy, merely pointing out that Tillerson was, in fact, in the building. "Quote: He's here. Rex is here." End quote. So he's there. I I just, I, I mean, I, I've had this feeling from the get-go that Rex Tillerson was one of these guys, because Trump has a, has, has sort of a, 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 a pattern here where he finds people who hate the department that they're going to be going into to sort of help dismantle it, right? This is what we've seen with EPA. This is what we're seeing now with Mick Mulvaney going to the CFPB. And I think he sort of thought that Rex Tillerson was just going to take the State Department apart. Which he kind of he kind of has. has. He kind of has. I don't know that Tillerson has. And, and I mean, we laugh at the the public posturing, and it is funny and goofy and reality TV ish. But there have been serious consequences on the diplomatic side. Yeah. Um, and whether Tillerson has actively dismantled the State Department or just has neglected it enough that the administration's been allowed to just wreak havoc there. Um, I mean, there have been mass exits and people are very unhappy. And there was just a I forget who wrote it. I think it was The Times um, last week that the you know diplomats are leaving in droves and people are losing their jobs and there's no leadership and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he does kind of do this thing where he sticks people in the office who are either going to 
actively do his bidding or just kind of sit there while it falls apart on its own yeah. and then they will eventually get roasted themselves. Yeah. 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 I want to play a quick clip. This is from Heather Nauert. She's the uh, spokeswoman for the State Department yesterday. She said that John Kelly called to specifically say that uh, this is not true about Tillerson being fired. Chief of Staff Kelly uh, called our department yeah. this morning yeah. and said that the rumors are not true, that those reports are not true. So, I mean, maybe, maybe not. The, the New York Times, what they laid it out was that Rex Tillerson was going to be cast aside, voted out of the boardroom, however you want to put it, um, and that Mike Pompeo would move from the CIA to the State Department, and that Tom Cotton would take over the CIA. You know, <laughs> I'm not... Terrifying. No, that's horrifying. I'm not 100% convinced that Cotton's going there. I don't yeah. have any firsthand knowledge of sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but I... My first reaction was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why? Right. I, he, is, he is this dynamic guy. He's got a brand on a national platform now. You don't go to the CIA right. for a national platform. I, I have a feeling that Tom Cotton will eventually run for president. I think that that's, I mean, that's pretty clearly his path. Yeah. I, sure. He's being groomed, I think, for the post-Trump Republican wave. Like, he's going to hit that age right yeah. as soon as the Trump administration ends. Right. If it doesn't become, like, a monarchy. But, <laughs> uh, like, in theory, he is the next generation of Republican leadership. And, you know, just kind of bouncing this around with people yesterday, um, I mean, I think it's obviously it, the Times had great reporting on it in that it sounds like there have been conversations or at least there have been signals. Yeah. Um, but nobody comes out of that office politically unscathed. Right. I, and I know George H.W. Bush did it. Everyone, everybody on Twitter yelled at me about that yesterday. <laughs> I know George, I know Bush one did it. See, Twitter's bad. Yeah, Twitter is bad. Twitter is I'm bad. with you. Yeah. Um, but why, I, I don't understand how that serves Cotton well when no. he has such a... Also, like Pompeo is a political grandstander, and P and Cotton is even more grandstandy yeah. than Pompeo, and it hasn't served him well there. Yeah, nobody leaves the Senate to go run the CIA if they have aspirations like bigger. Yeah, than that. I, I just don't see that happening. I mean, people have trouble running when you're serving on the intelligence committees because you can't talk about what you're doing. Yeah, you know, so it's like how yeah. I don't know. So, and I know Harward's name has been thrown around a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that Trump has probably had enough of Rex Tillerson, you know? I mean, I think that the story that came out that Tillerson called him a moron, an effing moron, mm -hmm. probably didn't sit well with Trump. Trump challenged, him to, Trump challenged him to an IQ test. Remember that? Like, that, for that to be the reason, like, the, that's the, the breaking point, that's besides the, the fact that, like, oh, I'm sure it's that's the, the reason. reason. Yeah. Like, Beside the fact that, you know, U.S. diplomatic standing in the world is tanking to levels. Well, I mean, we're in a Twitter fight with, like, Theresa May, really? Yeah. So I, 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 the writing's been on the wall for Tillerson for a long time. I think it was a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I think Donald Trump really, I mean, he wants, uh, he doesn't want to be president, I don't think. I mean, he wants to be, like, press secretary. Like, he wants to just be like the guy. Manager. Yeah, but he also, I think would rather be some form of secretary of state with his tweets about foreign affairs and stuff. Like, he just wants to put himself on it. He doesn't want anybody else to speak for him. He wants to be the one to say it. And, and as you mentioned with the uh, – uh, Jamie, do you have that second clip from from um, uh, Dennis Skinner 
in Great Britain, they were talking about this Trump state visit that's coming up, and they're, they're incensed with this guy. Action is needed now, not a slap on the wrist. Cancel the state visit. Okay, so like a good leader of the State Department might be able to help smooth that over, but like Tillerson doesn't. They, had, want that. they had like an emergency emergency parliament session yesterday just to discuss this. I love British Parliament. Yes. And sir. we can't do that in Congress every time he tweets? No, can't do it. No. Can't do it. I mean, it's a fascinating story. I, I, I'll, I'm, I'm anxious to see how it all plays out. But uh, The interesting thing about, sorry not to interrupt you, no, no, just no. like dip, diplomacy and diplomatic stories like aren't sexy in the immediate, you know, because I do still feel like this is a story that's kind of, it's like a second tier story right now. Excuse me. Diplomatic scandals and diplomatic shortcomings Mm. are long game problems. You know, this is something that we're not going to feel for like years, you know, months, if not years. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important to keep like a long game eye here that this is going to have long ranging consequences. Uh, Moving on to a story that we talk to you about often here on the show, the Russian investigation. I'm going to read directly from Business Insider, quote, President Donald Trump has been lobbying members of his own party to end the various congressional investigations into Russia's meddling into the 2016 election. Uh, This is a piece that was outlined in the New York Times, quote, Trump during the summer reportedly spoke to lawmakers directly involved in ongoing congressional inquiries on the matter. The president's alleged moves, published Thursday, cited multiple sources who spoke on and off the record, including Senator Richard Burr, Republican of North Carolina, who chairs the Senate Intelligence Committee. So he's trying to kill the Russia investigation, which is, should not come as a surprise to no, anybody. I don't think it shocked any of us. No. Um, so rumblings of those pressures and those phone calls started going around in over the summer um and i think what's what's most stunning in that story i mean none of us are surprised no. that he made these calls nope. that he put these pressures on I mean, we've people. already had these conversations about will the president pardon himself like can the president pardon yeah, himself should this get to that point for reality is yeah. pretty low at this point um but i think what's interesting is that people are going on the record about it now yeah like this is not backdoor political backbiting i think it's pretty clear that like there is a divide here um and if everybody quoted in that story sounded fairly uncomfortable with the conversations although there were a lot of i I think it was either one or two quotes of lawmakers i think on the record saying you know he just doesn't understand government he doesn't understand you can't do this which is like the usual i also believe that I believe that to be true, but I also think that, like, that's not a good enough excuse. No, I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, I had, I used to have this friend who you say, like, not to be ignorant. Yeah. And then say something really ignorant. Really ignorant. ignorant. Yeah. Like, recognizing you are wholly unqualified. Yeah. Unqualified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Does not excuse. Doesn't make it okay. Being wholly unqualified. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, Um, I think that's a good point. But I also think that's the standard that so many people are holding him up to that, like, well, he does, he, you know, uh, uh, I remember Paul Ryan not that long ago was saying, "Oh, he need, the president needs time to get this right," and it's kind of like, "No, if you're there, yeah, y- you should have it. Right. You got to have it right." Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> lobbying members of your party to shut down a bipartisan investigation is not a good look, which is something he hasn't really cared about. I want to play this clip from Adam Schiff, Congressman Adam Schiff. He talked about how. Um, 
Jefferson Sessions declined to speak about the Trump-Russia stuff. I asked the uh, Attorney General specifically, did the President of the United States ever take any action that you believed, instruct you to take any action that you believed would hinder the Russia investigation? Uh, And he declined to answer that question. So that's yes, by the way. Yeah, that's an easy no. (laughs) Yeah, right, 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 right. (laughs) Like, all he's going to do is just say no. So if he declined to answer that, that's a yes, right? I think that's a pretty safe. Yeah. Could that, but like, here's, here's maybe a dumb question. To be fair, I'm very stupid. Uh, Can they just shut this down? And, and would they dare do that? And I know that's a little bit of predict prediction and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I don't want to speak in hypothetical. Yeah, right. Um, I'm, they can't touch Congress, right? So set that completely aside, right? Um, I don't know that there's precedent for him to not be allowed to. Sh- I I still have a shred of faith left in the institutions of American democracy that That's like adorable. he can't. That's so it, cute. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> My resolve has been chipped away. Yeah. Um. But. You know, I do think that there are safeguards that would at least slow it down so people could cause a stink if he wants to get rid of it versus him just coming in one night and chopping it all off. Um, although if the if he has enough kind of chips in a row, yeah. he could do it. Um, Sessions is recused from Russia. So yeah. technically, if you want to shut it down, you can't go through re- Sessions. Right. Um, whether or not that holds true in practice, I don't know. I don't have a big enough window into the upper echelons of DOJ. Sure. But, um, to I mean, to pressure Congress is one thing. It's not okay, but it's, you know, it's political. It's being allowed, but yeah. it's not okay. But to pressure... DOJ, which yeah. is a wholly separate lane, yeah. um, it is different. I mean, there's a reason that Nixon, the you know, what was it, the Sunday to Saturday Night Massacre, yeah, or whatever right. it was, right, like, right, 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 right. Yes, that there's a that is a different bar. Um, so I don't know how they compel Sessions to answer that question because he's been citing that privilege since he started testifying. Right. I mean, on that. Note, like I, I'm kind of torn on this because I think Trump likes to be a micromanager, but at the same time, there's just so much stuff that that he doesn't know or understand about how this, like how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not trying to be too partisan about it. I just, I genuinely don't think he cares much about the detail. I don't think it's he's not a details business. guy, I right? Think, yeah, like it's not just, it's not a linear structure. Right, it's separate. Yeah, right. and I agree. It's and it's not a partisan statement. I think that's why a lot of people voted for him because sure. he doesn't. Right. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, I, I I wouldn't put it past him to push every single boundary that he can because he wants to have some control over that. Will he fire or figure out a way to get Mueller off of the investigation? Probably. Probably. If if this heat if it starts getting real hot. And it starts getting close to him and his family, which all signs point to yes, that that, that it's starting to heat up a little bit. Like, yeah, I think he'd at least try that. The response after the Flynn and after the potential 
Kaplan indictment, which sure. I think we all have figured out is eventually it's coming. coming. Or a plea deal from yeah. Mullen. Um, I think that's going to be the best indicator, both of how far Mueller can go yeah. and how far Trump will go in response. I have a question. Yes, Jamie. Where's Mike Pence been? Ah, who? Who? I was just looking at the uh, Vice President Daily Schedule just came out. Today, Vice President Mike Pence has no public events. And not just that. I mean, I, today is one one example, but I just I feel like I haven't heard from Mike Pence in like a week or two. That's a good point. No, he hasn't really been out there. I figured he was he at the Christmas uh, tree lighting ceremony last night. I, I don't think so. Seems like that would be right up his alley. But where does he fit in, in in all of this? I mean, regardless of whether or not he's been out in public lately, you know, we're we're focusing on people like Flynn and Don Jr. But what about Mike Pence? Um, I think he's lawyered up and is sitting in um, the nuclear fallout shelter under the White House waiting for it to go away. Well, waiting his time. Got an answer. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's actually probably pretty accurate. Yeah, literally or figuratively, If frankly. he's smart, he should just kind of fade He's back. waiting it out. Yeah, wait it out. Yeah, and I think he, like... What does he need to do? What does he need to go make waves for? It's not his problem right now, right. so why make it his problem? I, he did lawyer up. The last, I think, we heard of, about Pence and whatever is that he did get a lawyer in the course of this... Probably smart. Thing. Probably a good idea. Probably smart. Yeah. My, my moment that I'm waiting for is when, like, uh, Jared Kushner gets indicted... And Trump and Ivanka are like, Jared who? No, we have no idea who this guy was. No, never met him. Never heard of him before. Mike Pence? Nope. No, I have no idea who this guy was. Well, that's the the step after Flynn, right? I mean, they've got Flynn yeah. on a bajillion things, but dude, Flynn is the path dude, to Jared. Flynn was so closely tied to Donald Trump. Like, during the transition and when they first started, like, they the, 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 the amount of time they spent talking about how important Mike Flynn was going to be to the administration. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. Now they're like, yes. yeah, well, you know. But that's going to be that's their issue. Like, that's what they do. Papadopoulos and Carter Page, like, fine. That's easy to be like, oh, they were volunteers, nobodies, whatever. You can't play that card with Flynn. Like, you can say right. we fired him early, right. you know, we got rid of him, blah, blah, blah. He's only here for a month or two. But there is a very clear span of time when they were aligned very closely. Do we have any kind of timeline as to when we'll see the next movement with the with the Mueller uh, investigation? I, you know, I don't even think yeah, I can predict. That's it. fine. Yeah, I, I should know if we had one or not. If no, we don't, we don't. I mean, the White House lawyers have always said, you know, it's going to be done by December. It's going to be done by December. <laughs> uh, well, here we are, December first. Here 1st. we are. Start the clock. No, I mean yeah. this thing's not going to be done by the end of December. Come on. Yeah, um, no, no, no way. Congress. Maybe isn't December be done. 2019. Yeah, maybe. Gosh, bite your tongue. Um, <laughs> but Congress isn't going to be done by. Everybody had like the end of 2017 as their target, and now the goalposts have kind of been moved, and now it's well, we need to get it done before the 2018 midterms and. Well, if you believe Keith Olbermann, it, we've the job is done. Yeah, the resistance won. We, we're, it's over. Did you see that? No. Keith Olbermann re- retired from giving political commentary because he said that Trump's presidency, the days were numbered, and he had a big hand in that, and so he can walk away now, saying like that he helped defeat Trump. He said the Pocahontas remark was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, like trust me, that was not <laughs> the nail in the coffin. 
Anyway. <laughs> Bottom line, we live in hell. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm like contractually obligated to say that once a show. Is that right, Jamie? I, ha- I have to put that out there. Yeah. Just to be objective about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, we live in hell. We are in hell right now. Uh, every single day I wake up and uh, I give thanks to my Lord Mephistopheles, who has given me another day uh, to sit here and watch hell unfold before my very eyes. When our 7.30 guest, uh, Shanna, sat down, she, you guys started talking about, you know, she was in town from Boston. Yeah. So, you know, I always love being in Washington, except the fact that it's extremely dark times right now. Yeah. And I said, ah, well, Peter's going to get along <laughs> yeah. with this guest. Yeah. It's going to go really yeah, right well. Right by wheelhouse. Uh, Ali Watkins, she is a national security correspondent for Politico. Nobody knows this Russia stuff better than Ali. I, I, I really thank you for coming in and sharing your knowledge with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Uh, we're going to take a very, very quick break. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll talk about the latest the congressional sexual harassment, sexual assault situations. We have more news. Stay tuned. He just let the cat out of the box, or whatever the phrase is. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hello, it is The Bill Press Show, 34 minutes past the hour. It's just us, friends, for the last half hour of the program. But gosh, we have so much stuff to talk about. I want to talk about John Conyers and Al Franken and all the other terrible behavior by men in the Congress. We'll get to that in just a moment, but I want to follow up on our uh, on our Christmas conversation that we were having. I'm a I'm a ride or die fake tree guy. By the way, my mother has uh, weighed in. Oh, I got a what hot, did she say? A hot text. Uh, what did she say? About 20 minutes ago, we we had a conversation about how I read uh, an article that there could be bugs on your Christmas tree. True, and spread all over your home. True. My mother says there are no spiders or any bugs. On Christmas trees in Maine. Wait, really? I got, apparently. Well, I mean, as a kid, there were never any bugs. There's got to be like something, right? Probably I mean, maybe like, not in Maine, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, it, it really does depend on where you get your tree from. If yeah. you get a real one. Okay, here you go. If you get a fake one, it doesn't matter. Here you go. New York Daily News yesterday. Your Christmas tree could be home to up to twenty-five thousand insects. Now, spiders are not insects, so. Yeah, that's the that's the headline. That's a technical. Twenty five thousand. It's a dangerous world we live in on on social media. Where we it's very misleading. That title. What? That title. It's, it's it could be. Many of these bugs are hibernating inside the tree. When you bring them into your warm home, they can wake up and want to explore. Most of these insects are harmless and will often dry out and die before ever leaving their tree home. Now, that 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 makes sense to me, but not all of them do. Oh, boy. You know what holiday tradition I am going to bring back? Uh, I did this last year for the first time. I made eggnog from scratch. Hell yeah. And I use the White House uh, eggnog recipe, which has been around forever. You know what I found out, by the way? You know how you're really supposed to make eggnog? You're supposed to make it. And then seal it up, 
and leave it in your refrigerator, you can leave it in your refrigerator for up to a year. No. Aged eggnog is a thing. No, 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 no. No, you can do this. No. You can. I'm not saying that I'm going to or that I, but like this is the thing. But you, there, there's raw eggs in eggnog. How well, there's raw work? egg yolks, but you put so much sugar and so much alcohol into it that. What is it? What, compare that to something else that I could understand. What do you mean? Like, is there another dairy based product that you can do that with? Cheese. You hear about this? Oh, that's true. That's good. You hear about cheese? That's you ever good. had cheese, bro? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you just, I mean, it just sits out in the open. <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of cheese? <laughs> it's been a long week. Yeah, no, I get that. But so, no, I, I actually found this recipe because <laughs> I actually found an aged eggnog recipe, and they say it's supposed to like kind of mellow things out a little bit. But the White House, the White House eggnog recipe is something that I made last year. Boy, I got to tell you, it is powerful stuff. I have a hot take. Go ahead. Don't make eggnog. I gotta tell you, I used to buy th- it. I used to think buy I, it. I used to think I first of all I used to think I didn't like eggnog. And then I had a really, really good eggnog, and I was like, this is very good. And I bought it. I made it at home. Game changer. There is only Best one eggnog you'll ever have. There's only one eggnog that you should buy, and I'm sorry if you don't have it we go. in your area. Here we go. It is a New England treasure. Here we go. It is made by a company called Hood. Oh, I've I've had that actually. Golden eggnog. I've actually had the hood eggnog. It is the most delicious thing on earth. I'm gonna tell you. Have you ever made eggnog? No, and I, I'm not, I don't plan to. I wanna, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. Do you? I'm not speaking just to, specifically to you, Jamie Benson. But if you're listening, if you've never made eggnog, make yourself some eggnog. It's so good at home. My buddy Jim Murray up in Boston was tweeting about this yesterday, and one of his buddies said that hood golden eggnog was the fake stuff. And that the only real stuff is the eggnog that you make at home. I'm sorry. I agree but with the that. The only eggnog I that I recognize, I recognize is hood golden eggnog. Nothing for respect. Nothing but respect That's for right. my eggnog. <laughs> yeah. Homemade eggnog. Uh, I will give you the White House eggnog recipe very quickly. It's very easy. Five yolks, five whites from very fresh eggs. You got to separate them. One and a half cups, or excuse me, one and a quarter cups of sugar. Here comes the good stuff. Three quarters of a cup of bourbon. We just round up to a, a full cup. Three quarters of a cup of cognac. Three quarters of a cup of dark rum. One quart of heavy cream. Quarter ta- teaspoon of salt, just a little bit. Nutmeg, vanilla a- extract, and milk to taste. You put the yolks and the sugar in a bowl. You beat them until it's ribbony. So you beat it, beat it, beat it, beat it mm-hmm. until you get like ribbons when you pull the, the beater up. You add the bourbon, the rum, the cognac to the mix, and you set it aside. Then you whip the egg whites with a little bit of salt until you get stiff peaks. So we're talking whipped cream almost type, like meringue-looking stuff. That's quite a description for a recipe, stiff peaks. Stiff peaks. Mm. Stiff peaks. Mm -hmm. Then you whip the whipped cream to medium peaks. You fold the whites and the cream together. (laughs) There's different types of peaks. There are. All right. If you're whipping it by hand, which, first of all, if you're going to make whipped cream, go ahead and make it by hand. Ray says common in baking. I'm clearly a novice. It it is actually common in baking. It is actually very common. When it comes to any dairy recipe. Stiff peaks is if you whip it so hard that you turn the bowl upside down, like it'll stay in there on its own. Medium peaks, like you pull the the uh, the whisk away, and like it'll start to fall a little bit. Stiff peaks, you pull it up, and it uh, it's like hair gel. It doesn't move. I feel like I'm in elementary school. Uh, hey, Mr. Wizard you over guys here. Are I'm two t- road scholars I'm t- in baking. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what to do. 
So then you take the whites, the egg white and the cream mix, you put those together, you add it to the yolk and liquor, yolk and liquor mix, you mix well, add the vanilla and nutmeg to taste, and then if you want to adjust the thickness with a little bit of milk, you can keep it very, very, very cold, and every time before you serve it, just blend it very well. If you'll stoop to my uh, baking novice level, I have, a, I have a question. I'm happy to help you, Jamie. This is pretty simple, actually. Yeah. If you have a pretty thin liquor cabinet, can you get away with just one of those three liquors to put in the eggnog? Or do you have to have, you said it was bourbon, cognac, and rum? And rum. rum. I'm glad you asked. Uh, I would not do that. You can. Bourbon would probably be, if if you just had one, it would be bourbon, right? So I know people who do, if I, if I was to do one, it would be bourbon. I know people who just make it just with rum. Uh, but you could do it with just bourbon or just rum. Personally, if you want to get that... I'm drinking three alcohols, kind of, kind of, kind of drunk. <laughs> Go for all three of them, and it's the holiday season. The cognac really uh, it warms you up. Adds the warmth. It warms yeah. you up. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's the thing to do. Now you can also essentially take that same recipe, and if you bottle it up tight, you put it in the back of your refrigerator, keep it there for weeks, years, even. It'll keep until the apocalypse. I haven't done that yet, and I don't. I don't plan to this year. By the way, not enough of you have been tweeting at us about eggnog. I want to hear your thoughts on eggnog. Maybe we'll come back to it at the end of the show. I'm just telling you. And since you're not on Twitter anymore, I'll plug mine at J Benson DC. Yeah. Tweet at me or at the show at BP Show. I'm telling you, if you've never made eggnog at home, it's a little laborious to have to go through all these different things, these different steps. You will never have greater, finer eggnog than if you make it at home. That's all I'm going to say. Someone in the chat room said they make their French toast with eggnog, like drench the toast in eggnog. That's next level. That person is a hero. Yeah. <laughs> that is. I would like to meet this person and shake their hand. That's pretty damn good. I haven't thought about that. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I'm, I'm here for all of your uh, eggnog slash eggnog French toast takes. Find us on Twitter at BP Show. Oh, man, someone just shamed me. JVintage1970 on Twitter. At me, aged dairy. Heard of yogurt? LOL. Yeah, I mean, I, th- that that's not the thing that sort of turns me off. It it's a thing. It's an embarrassing moment. It's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I marked the tape. I owned myself. <laughs> a colossal self owned by Jamie Benson here on the first of December. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, we're going to switch to some more serious uh, news because uh, yesterday we had another accuser come forward and say that Al Franken uh, groped her. This is again on this USO tour. We talked about it during the program yesterday. This is now the fifth, fifth woman to come forward and say that Al Franken um, sexually assaulted or sexually harassed her. Uh, Al Franken still not stepping down. Uh, I think it is time, and I think that it is time for Democrats to Except the fact that if you want to be the party that respects women and gives women a voice in their government, then you cannot have someone who does what Al Franken has done repeatedly. Um, you gotta, you gotta cut him loose. And I, I you know, like there's different. I, I don't want to. I definitely don't want to add any caveats to anybody who's accusing anybody of sexual assault or harassment, but I do think that we are now sort of seeing different levels of how bad this can be. And and I think that, you know, James Clyburn has been one of the loudest defenders of John Conyers. 
who has multiple sexual harassment, sexual assault allegations of his own. And yesterday, the leadership sort of unanimously said it's time for him to step down. But James Clyburn yesterday said something very interesting that I just kind of wanted to kick around a little bit. Here is here's what James Clyburn said, who, again, he's been very, very defensive of John Conyers through this whole ordeal. And yesterday he sort of broke that wall. I told him then I thought it was in his best interest uh, to um, to step away from this body that he had given uh, us over 50 years of great service. But this was not going to get any better, uh, in fact. I can see it getting worse. This is not going to get any better. In fact, it's getting worse. And I think that, that I want to be very careful here because I don't want to give anybody any any cover for what they've done in their past. But I also think that there is something to be learned from all of this. And if you did something stupid, I think sexual assault is is obviously if that's something that you've been accused of, it should be taken very seriously. But if you were doing something that you thought was funny that bordered on sexual harassment or crossed the line into sexual harassment, I should say, and someone tells you that, and then you stop that behavior, I think that there's there's some redemption there. And I think we should allow room for that. But what Clyburn said is this is getting worse. It's not getting better. In other words, John Conyers hasn't learned anything he never learned anything from any of from all of his accusers al franken doesn't seem like he's learned anything from all of his accusers all these hollywood directors and actors they they've never learned anything matt lauer never learned anything from it and i think that that is an interesting part of all of this like i think that every single man whether you think you're one of the good guys or not it's a moment for us to take a little stock of our own behavior and like, have we done something that was not appropriate around women, especially in a workplace? We, we probably all are guilty of that. We probably are all guilty of that. Yeah. And like I said, this, it, it, it does, it, 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 I mean, there are levels, right? Like there's a big difference between, you know, going up and groping a woman uh, without her consent versus like, one of the accusations from the Matt Lauer story is that he was taking out sex toys and making jokes about them. Like, whether or not you think that's funny, you can't do that. There are, there are two different ways that this conversation can go as it continues, because it's not going to stop. Right. I mean, this is going to continue on for months, right. if not years. Right. The, the right way to go down is what you're saying is the more we talk about this, the more as men... Primarily, I mean, certainly this happens on the other side in in other instances. Yeah. But we as men need to self-reflect. Yeah. And re-examine every single action, primarily in the workplace, because that's where a lot of this happens. Yep. So that's one way to do it. Keep doing that self-reflection and change the culture that way. Or the other way is, and Bill sort of hinted at this yesterday, is if we keep getting these accusations, you're going to have folks like Geraldo Rivera, yeah. right? Yesterday say... No, there. Well, <clears throat> there needs to be rules. You know, there, there, there's too many of these allegations coming out. Too many women are asking for money. I'm skeptical, and that's and if that can if, if that's where we go with this national conversation, we haven't accomplished we anything. The point. We haven't learned anything. We've missed the point. No, we've missed the point. This is a good time for dudes to just shut up and listen. 
Yeah. Um, I think, like, again, this is not a breakthrough moment for a lot of people, but, like, as I listen to these stories that are coming out, I think of how damaging it must be to be a woman who might just be out of college and you get a great job with a great company and you happen to work with a male harasser. And what I've read and what I've heard from so many people is that eventually nothing ha- nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, and eventually these women just leave and they go find work elsewhere. And so, you know, this is a message that we're telling our young female leaders or employees or coworkers of the future is that like it's on you to figure this out no it is not and this comes down that is to, not how it should be this comes down to the power that men uh have in jobs in in certain cases in the home uh in communities in society and culture and I'd like to say it's quite a flip for James Clyburn over the past 24 yep. hours. Yeah. All right. I don't know if you saw the video. The audio was a little dicey, so we didn't pull it for yesterday's show. But James Clyburn and Cedric Richmond, both members of the Congressional Black Caucus, both very good friends of John Conyers, walking into an elevator, asked by a reporter, hey, look, when we found out about Harvey Weinstein, when we found out about Matt Lauer, it would. They were fired almost immediately. Charlie Rose, right? Yeah. Why is this taking so long for Conyers? And you know what Clyburn's response was mm. about the men that had already been kicked out? Were they elected? Yeah. What are you talking about? I, it's it. You, Just because people elected them, not knowing that he was a serial sexual harasser, doesn't mean we can't kick him out of Congress that's now. It. And the same thing with Al Franken. We can't. Who has just always been portrayed as this, this this nice guy, right? Well, look, smiley, all this crap. He could go too. Look, they they gotta go, they gotta go. And this is what my point is: this tribalism of acting outraged over this these incidents when it's someone that you don't like, and then rallying around these people when it's someone that you do like. You can't play this game here. You just cannot play this game. If John Conyers has got to go, and he does, then Al Franken's got to go, then Donald Trump has to go. I have to tell you, Peter, I'm I'm just going to be honest. I'm a little worried that we're going to start getting to the point where we can officially say Democrats are not dealing with this as well as some Republicans have. No, look. I, Congressman I, I, Joe Barton, right? Republican it, from Texas. Yeah. Resigning yesterday. He resigned yesterday. Out of so, shame and embarrassment. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely true. I, but but I will say one thing I want to point out, like the, the, the peak of hypocrisy here, the height of hypocrisy was Paul Ryan yesterday who, who went out there and said that he agrees that John Conyers ought to resign. I think he should resign. I think he should resign immediately. I've just been briefed on... On, on on the torrent of allegations, and I think he should. I agree. I agree. He should resign. He should resign immediately. I agree with that statement. But at the same time, if we're going to hold him to that standard, there are multiple women, double digits, that have accused Donald Trump of the same exact thing. Now, are we going to call for him to resign? Paul Ryan's not. And that's my point. I mean, look... If we're going, I mean, we've gotten so good as a society of 
or we've gotten so good at sort of making the facts work for our our own arguments. And this is one of those situations where we just can't do that. It's just it's 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 at a point, it's at a reckoning point where we're either going to do something about this and be serious or we're not. I want to play a couple of clips, Jamie. This is uh Sam Riddle. He's an associate of John Conyers. Is that right? What's his deal? Political consultant. Political consultant of John Conyers. Uh, a couple of different clips. First of all, he talks about how this is an assault by the media. The congressman's health is not what it should be. And a lot of that is directly attributable to this media assault. Wow. Holy cow. I don't know how Sam Riddle walks around with balls that big to sit there and say that this is his declining health is the media's fault. The media is finally bringing this John Conyers story to light and it's catching up with him. And by the way, this was his own behavior. So it's not the media bringing this back up. Really also, quick. also, we did this with Joe Paterno. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we absolutely did this with Joe Paterno. That's a very good point. I want to play that second clip from um, from Sam Riddle. If the media would camp and crash the Christmas party of President Trump and go after those uh, the information about those dozens of women that accused the president of verifiable sexual assaults, you might have something and you could leave Congressman Conyers alone. No, that's not the point. You can do both. Yes, he's right. The media should camp out at every single event that Donald Trump does and say, President Trump... You've been accused of sexually assaulting 17 women. Do you have a comment on that? Every single time that he opens that stupid hole under his nose, you bring that up and you let him know. However, you can't leave John Conyers alone. That is not the result here. You can do both. We're at BP Show on Twitter. We're at BP Show on Twitter. What are the people saying, Jamie? I want to read just one comment. I love to hear Because that. I think this is a good way to end the show. Yeah. Tom on Twitter says, Hello, Tom. No, Peter. We men are not all guilty of sexual misconduct in the workplace. <laughs> so, Tom, <clears throat> you're half right, okay? In the sense that, yes, not every man has been guilty of sexual misconduct. Not all men. Hashtag. Yeah, not all men. But the part where you're wrong, and I think this part may actually be bigger, the, the, the bigger half, right, is that we as men have a responsibility, no matter if it's the individual, you or I, that is guilty of the sexual misconduct, or the man on the other side of us. Right. Right. Right? Right. That's we have exactly to call right. out sexual misconduct whenever we see it. And, and, I, and I'll put it the other way. I, I said this earlier on when I was making a point. It could be a woman, too. Right, yeah. that's guilty of it. If you see it, say something. Yeah, use that metro slogan. Right. Yeah. If you see it, say something. Yeah, you got you got to point it out. That's that's sort of where we fit into this equation now. And like, look, when I say that all men are guilty of of sexual, uh, I didn't say that all men were guilty of sexual no. misconduct, but so that all men are, be, are 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 guilty of some sort of behavior that have made a woman probably feel like she's not a welcome part of the the team or the office yes i think that every man if you can't admit that then you're probably not facing the reality and that's part of just the, like how we've been brought up 
And if there, you are a man, there's a way should, to fight that. You should feel uncomfortable at this point. Yeah, you should. I you feel uncomfortable. Should. Yeah, you, you probably feel uncomfortable. I do. As we have this national conversation, it's not easy. Look, but you know, I, I don't mean to make it a race thing, but like, I see a lot of the the tweeters that are making comments about this being white men. Yeah, those are the that's the number one demographic that should feel uncomfortable right now. Yes, yes. Look, all men should feel uncomfortable. All men should shut up and listen. And, like, you know, there was a moment during the campaign that Donald Trump talked about the locker room talk when he talked about grabbing women by their genitals and how he just leans in and tries to kiss them before they can even give him consent or say no or whatever, right? And he tries to pass it off as locker room talk. There is such a thing as locker room talk, by the way. I've been in a lot of locker rooms. That ain't it. I've never had those conversations. But, like, telling those dick jokes, talking about, you know, women in a demeaning way, that is locker room talk that every man is guilty of. Every man is guilty of. And when you bring that into the workplace, you got yourself a problem, brother. You absolutely have a problem. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening, watching, whatever you do, however you're you're uh, consuming the show today. I want to point out again, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash the Bill Price Show. It's very important that you subscribe to our channel, not just click and watch the show every day, but subscribe to our channel. Uh, that is how we keep up with you. That is how we give you our uh, videos every single day, all throughout the day. Just hit the subscribe button. If you have a Google account or a Gmail account, it's very, very easy. Just subscribe. And also to our podcast, look for the Bill Press Show podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, one final plug, patreon.com slash BP show, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show. Go get that hood golden eggnog. <laughs> have a magical weekend. We'll see you on Monday. This is the Bill Press Show.